Hey guys, what's going on? Welcome back to the Lions Blog Podcast. My name is Gavin here with my co-hosts Daniel, Chase, and Adam. And today we're going to kind of do something a little bit different. Uh, nothing as different as like the trivia or the, the, the game we played with building the lineup or nothing like that. This is going to be a serious podcast. Uh, what do you know? And we are going to be kind of discussing the squad we have at the moment. Uh where we think we need to improve, where we think we are really strong, kind of going through the players themselves as well, and just kind of discussing the team. How good are we actually? I think we all have a vague idea in our minds how good we are, but I think it would be a good idea to actually lay out um, and have a massive long discussion about how good the team actually is. And here to do that with me, like I said before, is Daniel, Chase, and Adam. So Daniel, how are you doing today? Doing pretty good. How about yourself? I'm doing all right. Chase, how about you? Fantastic. And Adam, how are you doing today? Doing all right. I wasn't aware we were allowed to do serious podcasts again, but here we are. Yeah, here we (laughs) are. And we might as well start with uh, the goalkeeping room. And that consists of Pedro Galese, Brian Rowe, and Mason Staduhar. Stop. Is it Stajdahar or Stajdahar? It's like Stajdahar. The AJ is like Okay, Stajdahar. I'd say we're pretty strong in that department. Uh, Adam, wouldn't you say that? I mean, we have Pedro. We have an international goalkeeper. We have Brian Rowe, solid uh, MLS veteran backup. And then we have the youngster in Stajdahar. Adam, would you agree with that? Yeah, we haven't really seen Galese called on a lot. Uh, but he has a fantastic reputation internationally, and if, if we paid a, a, a fair bit for him in terms of uh, how much goalkeepers cost, and uh, and so if he is not one of the best keepers in MLS, whenever that gets restarted, and we'll talk about that later, I will be both surprised and disappointed. Um, Roe is a solid backup, and um, Staj Duhar, however we say that, I mean, it's always yeah. good to have a developmental prospect that uh, that could potentially become something. Maybe sell, maybe he's your starter down the road. But always good to have that guy. So I think, I think, obviously we haven't seen Galese a lot. He hasn't really been called into action, like I said. But I think we're probably solidly above average in MLS, if not actually one of the best goalkeeper rooms in the league. Okay, so did we pay for Galese, or are we just paying his wages? Because I thought we got him on a free. Uh, I think we got him on a free, but we're paying him decent money. Yeah, he's on about like 300k, I want to say, or something like that, which is pretty high level. Yeah, so there's not much else to really say about the goalkeeper room. Uh, I think Adam and I covered that. Well, it's just a solid room. I mean, Chase, if you can think around the league at the moment right now, I mean... How many other goalkeepers would you say are, uh, or would you say that Galese is of a similar level to? Well, I don't know. Like I, I was at the beginning of the season. Uh, Kenneth Vermeer came to LAFC and he was like an established player in the Dutch league. 
and he had some caps for the Dutch national team, and he looked to almost maybe come in and be one of the one of the best, if not the best keeper in the league. Uh, but he was a little disappointing in his first two games. And I would still say that Bill Hamid is probably the best keeper in the league. I don't know. That's kind of up for contention. Jesse Gonzalez, things like that. But Pedro Galese is definitely in that ilk. And um, he's probably within the top five. And uh, Also, I would kind of like to highlight maybe Mason Sajar a little bit because uh, he did really well on his loan with Tulsa. And, you know, obviously he missed a decent portion of his career uh, when he got Ewing sarcoma. Uh, cancer uh, when he was about like 20 or something like that but he's a player that very very likely could play a role with us in the future if that's not starting he's a, a safe pair of hands that probably could play right now as kind of like a u.s open cup goalkeeper but yeah i agree that we are probably we can't really say this about many positions but that is probably uh somewhere where we're among like elite level kind of uh players in the league at the goalkeeper spot all right, now let's move into the fullback area. And Daniel, this question is going to you. I want to talk about a player that really, really frustrates me because uh, uh, I love the guy. I'm talking about Juan. Um, love the guy pieces. You know, he's a fan favorite, hypes up the crowd, you know, works real hard, does everything that every single fan wants when they're in the stadium. A hard worker who shows their appreciation to the fans. But... Pretty decent defender. Uh, I think his defensive positioning is okay. And very, 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 very fast. Gets in the positions he needs to be in to affect the game. And then just can't do it. His final ball is just... I want to say awful, but I feel like that's too harsh. So it it needs improvement. It really does. So give me your thoughts on Huan. kind Kind of your overall opinion on where he kind of lies in terms of best right backs in the league and just how he could possibly improve. I think Kuan belongs in a club of players in Orlando right now. And it, this wouldn't be really fair on uh, Oscar Pereira to address because we've we only had two games of the season. But I feel as if a player, especially at Juan's age, can be coached. I think they can be made um, a much better player than they are. It happens worldwide with many other players and teams. They need some good technical coaching with crossing, uh, decision making, uh, making the right play. You know, I mean, this is where you spend your time on the training field, right? So, I feel one potentially is a is a you know like an MVP right back in my opinion. Mm. Uh, his pace is a massive asset. I mean, he can afford to take luxuries when he gets higher up the pitch because he can get back. So he's got that in his locker. That's already a, a benefit. Um, defensively, I feel as if he is pretty solid. I mean, he he looks like he, he knows the position well enough, but he doesn't do what footballers tend to do, you know, technical footballers, and that's look up when you have the ball. <laughs> you know, it's kind of like get your head down, <laughs> charge to the byline, and then look to get it across. And, you know, I think I understand the fans liking him, pumps up the crowd and everything, but... Not all the players. If all the players played like we did, then they wouldn't be at a very good level, you know. <laughs> so it's just, um, <laughs> you know. I mean, I mean, that's is subjective, but it's like, you know, you on a technical level, yeah, he needs to improve the crossing for sure. And if he could do that, I mean, we're not just looking at a, a solid MLS, you know, all-star right back. You're looking at a player that could be an asset who could be sold for quite a good amount of money. He's still got plenty of time on his side. 
You have a good point. He's only 24 years old. Uh, That's nothing. Yeah, he has many, many years ahead of him, uh, as long as the MLS has many, many years ahead of it. Chase, did you have any thoughts on Huan? Uh, I don't know if you wanted to say anything on him. Yeah, I just definitely agree that probably his biggest weakness is his ability. Like, he can't really whip in a ball at all. Like, I can't almost think of a time where, you know, he was maybe out on the wing, like 30 yards plus from goal or, you know, whatever. And he put in a decent ball that created a chance. Like, most of his assists last year, which he did have a, a fair few of assists, came from, you know, him him just beating players on pure pace and, you know, ability to beat his man and then getting to the byline and making a short pass in and then just kind of a simple finish or something like that. And uh, I agree that I, I almost think that last year, like, if he was in consideration for all-star, like, uh, honors, I guess, I, I wouldn't have been too surprised. And I think that in the future, he definitely could even be, like, an, an all-star starter. Like, like who, who are some of the other top right-backs in the league? Like, I can't um, think so. This year, Kyle yeah. Duncan over in New York started off yeah. really well. Yeah, and, like, maybe, like, Escobar from Atlanta or something. And but there aren't I, too many. Yeah. You know, it's no. not... More technically I've, gifted players generally play winger, honestly. Like the yeah. fat in MLS, the fast gifted guys are, are attackers. Uh, and they play if they play in the wing, they're they're attacking forward wingers. So there are not many players of a similar level of talent playing fullback. Yeah, and also obviously it's like nobody in MLS really would spend a lot of money on a fullback. It's a lot of draft picks and things like that, like like Dotson or Chase Gasper from Minnesota. It's just a lot of those guys because. Well, wasn't you know, Escobar a draft pick? Or uh, Franco no, I'm Escobar. Thinking of, I'm thinking of Gressel. Yeah, Julian Gressel is. Yeah, Gressel's a winger though. I mean, he played a little bit of fullback, but he we, they kind of were playing like a bit of a like with wingbacks almost. Yeah, so he three, three, five, he, had, yeah, he got yeah. so high up the pitch. Yeah, he, he had did not, not always not much that. defensive ability. But they they had the the center backs to do that that's kind of that why that mm. formation is a thing but yeah um huan lots of room to grow going forward uh, i personally i'm fine with his defensive positioning uh, i do want to highlight i remember and i think i've told this story i do remember last uh, last season when we still had james o'connor uh thinking like oh we should put huan at right wing you know and try him <laughs> further forward and certainly enough a few weeks after i kind of that thought popped in my head and I think I might have wrote about it on the blog um Juan gets put on as a sub as a right winger and (laughs) he he was invisible I think he had like 13 minutes on the pitch and he did I don't think he touched the ball more than five times I mean he just he didn't know where to be he was certainly not a winger and that was the last of that experiment well there's a there's a big difference like playing wise I mean you can play anyone who's played any any level really can probably understand this like you could have all the ability in the world when it comes to having the ball at your feet or you can have all the speed in the world but some people are just suited in, into playing into the game like with the game ahead of them and others are used to playing with the game sort of you know coming from behind them and having to find the space to to effectuate the game and that's where kind of like that football brain comes into mind and the one is clearly in the the former category. He's better with the game in front of him, with space to get into, mm. you know, and exploiting it that way. If he could do both, he probably would not be playing in 
in MLS, to be fair, he'd probably be playing at, you know, maybe in the top division in Brazil or, or got picked up by now. You know, it's it's, uh, it's like a catch-22, really. I, I yeah. yeah, he certainly thrives with, like, when whoever is kind of listed as our right-sided midfielder, winger, or whatever, you know, we're playing on the day. Like, whether it's Nani or Chris, they certainly like to kind of tuck in a little bit, play as sort of a bit of an inverted winger almost. Mm-hmm. And that gives Huan a lot of space to overlap. And, you know, he'll find the ball in space, and then he's, you know, such a direct player that with that space he'll take it and he'll do something with it. And that's where he kind of thrives as a player almost. Yeah, it's less to think about, you know, for direct players especially that... Direct players are actually more effective when they, they do le- less thinking. They just, you know, they get on with the job that they have to do it's, at that time. It's also his body is, I mean, yes, he obviously has the physical capability of playing winger if he wanted to. But his body is built. It, it, I mean, if you're building a right back or a left back or whatever, a, an attacking mm-hmm. fullback, you're building someone physically that looks and, and plays a lot like Juan. He has incredible stamina. He has an incredible work rate. He has incredible pace. What that allows him to do is to receive the ball at um, in the in the defensive third and take it all the way up to the field and not have to pass it at all. Which, if you don't have the pace, you're not going to be able to do that. There are wingers like Nani doesn't have that much pace anymore, or and certainly not as much stamina as he used to. He's fine as an attacking winger because he has that technical skill, but he ha- he doesn't have the pace to pick the ball up um, from from the keeper and take it all the way up himself. He would have to pull some very fancy tricks. Juan can just run straight, and he can do that for 90 minutes. It, you don't play that at winger because you're wasting an incredible skill there. It, mm. I think that at, in terms of Juan, we, um, Daniel, you mentioned Oscar Pereja in the beginning of this topic, I think that the, um, obviously he had the off season with him, but I think that the coronavirus um, has not necessarily uniquely, but particularly affected Orlando city. Cause we do have a lot of those players who are good, not great that need coaching and c- with some more technical skill could be very, very good in MLS, if not great guys like Chris Mueller, like, Juan, like Sabas Mendez, he's I think a, a little bit um, upper class, but his potential is sky high. Guys like that, um, that it with that coaching and and that play time and that development could become really really good for us. And they've just been on their own for two three months now, so that's fun, and that's yeah. oh, that's a, a significant part of our not just our team our starting lineups. Yeah, that's a good point. Now let's move on to Kyle Smith, uh, our backup right back. And I will die on the hill that Kyle Smith is a useful player on this team. Yeah. Uh, Chase, I'm going to go with you first. Do you agree or disagree with that statement? Yeah, definitely. I'm not like a like a confrontational person at all. But like one of the first arguments I ever got in on Twitter was Kyle Smith's <laughs> useful ability to the squad. Like like people were saying that they were complaining when uh you know kind of uh. I don't know what it's called, but, you know, when they announce, you know, whose options are picking up, who who's leaving the, the club at the end of the oh, season. Oh, yeah, yeah. The, people uh, are like, why is Kyle extensions. Smith here? And, like, I was, like, going to bat for Kyle Smith, man. Like, he, <laughs> he, he's not, he's not like, spectacular at anything, but I think we made the point before that, like, 
if you don't notice him in a game, that's almost kind of a success. Like, he never makes defensive errors. He just kind of gets the ball and then, you know, will cycle it across the back line or, or find who, like, whether he's playing on the left or right, he'll find a midfielder or a winger, and then that's it. Like, he doesn't really do anything other than that. But, like, we pay him probably less than $100,000. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if it's near league minimum. And, like, you, for for a backup right back, especially in a league that, you know, you can barely even, play, like, pay your first team right back, he is an immensely useful player. And I'm happy that we have him, honestly. Oh, yeah. Look, versatility is important. And he is versatile along the whole back line. He can play left back, as we've seen. He can play center back. I think his original position was center back. And he can play at the right back as well. Versatility is is very important when you get into those areas where you have people on international breaks and you have people injured and you need to slot somebody in who can do a job defensively. Cal Smith is that person. I will die on the hill that he is even an important player in the squad. You know, you need those... Daniel, what are they called? Uh, depth pieces, I guess. Depth pieces. Um, squad players. Hard work, squad workmen. Players. Yeah. yeah, workmen, squad players. Yeah, like managers uh, players. Yeah, yeah. That that you can trust them when they go in, uh, and that's Cal Smith for me, and he's just to me an important piece of this squad. All right, let's move to the other side of the field, and we have Jean Moutinho first. Um, I'm not really sure how to rate him, because uh, like in some instances he's a really good attacking fullback. He's got a good cross on him. He can pop up with an assist. A little bit of injury proneness. Uh, needs to be stronger. He's probably working on that right now. We might come back to a more muscular Joamitinho, which would be great. However, um, defensively not the best option, as we've seen. So, Adam, I'm going to start with you. Where would you kind of rank Moutinho and uh, how good he is for the team and in MLS in general? Uh, when he's on his day, he's one of the best players in the squad. When he's off, he is getting caught defensively and he's giving up goals. I, I think he's very volatile in his performances. He's almost never bad offensively. He's got really good technical ability, and he plays really well with Nani, I've noticed. I'm Portuguese connection there, maybe, but just he, they have a similar play style, too, uh, which I think is important for team chemistry. But, man, some of those defensive lapses are, are well, they're bad. He, he gives up <laughs> goals. <laughs> Uh, he definitely needs to work on his, his positioning because he likes to get really high up, but he doesn't have the pace to get back like Juan does. And so he needs to be a lot more careful in picking his, his spots and seeing, hey, do I have a midfielder covering my spot? Uh, do we have a really good chance or am I just trying to make something happen here? You know, he needs to, I think... That comes with playtime and experience, which obviously he'll get on the roster because we have two starting level fullbacks, and he's one of them. So, yeah. um, I like him a lot more than the alternatives because fullback I think is our thinnest position on the roster. Uh, and I was actually going to not totally disagree with you, but say that Kyle Smith is a stupid hill to die on. Uh, I'm dying on that hill. I. <laughs> He's he's a guy, you know? 
he's I mean he's a coach's player obviously he he works hard he'll put in a solid defensive shift if you're relying on Kyle Smith to start more than a game in a pinch or an open cup match or whatever uh, you you need a better player there sorry he's a backup at best and the fact that we can all agree he's a backup at best no one wants him to start uh, tells you everything you need to know about him yeah he's useful for the price but I wouldn't blink twice if we let him go and replace him with a draft pick, you know? Yeah, that, but that's that's kind of the only option that we have. And I don't you never want to rely... Yeah, well, yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's like, unless there is... And, and fullback is a position that you could even find a starter in the draft, realistically. But like... Kamal Miller. Unless that happens. Yeah. Well, Kamal, Kamal's kind of a center back. Uh, by I'll, trade, I'll take Kamal Miller. I, I Kamal Miller has positional versatility. I will put Kamal Miller at any spot on the back line before I put Kyle Smith. Ooh. Miller would get toasted at right back, man. May, okay, maybe not right back. I would put Kyle Smith <laughs> at right back. But left back and either center back spot. Come on, Miller. And well, you, yeah, I, you, you Kyle can Smith find is, a right-sided player like Kamal Miller, you know? Yeah, he. well, Kamal Miller is definitely a better fullback than Kyle Smith. Is a center back. Kyle, like his his actual primary position, like he's he was like a D three college player, I want to say, but he was actually a winger, and um, the only, like he's deputized as center back, especially in that Portland game when we were already pretty thin, and then like Alex Dijon got like literally knocked out, and then he kind of grinded out a point, but he's just kind of a, I I just think that he gets hate, which obviously you know you're not saying that he's a bad player, but he gets hate and like. But realistically, we couldn't ask for much better unless we just kind of hit on like a late draft pick, like like a Hassani Dotson or a Chase Gasper or something like that. But I do kind of get what you're saying. Well, going back to Moutinho, Adam, I you kind of sparked something in my brain when you talked about his defensive positioning. I do remember like whenever I see Joao Moutinho live, um, if we're if like he's not up the field and he and he's sitting deeper. He really likes to migrate to uh, the more central parts of the field, and I've definitely would, noticed that too. And I I know I believe he was a center back in college, and he was even drafted as a center back for LAFC before being moved out left. Kind of similar to what Kamal Miller's been dealing with his in his professional career, um, but he really like. I just said likes to migrate to the center of the field and we get attacked down that flank and and scouts are obviously mentioning it to the coaching staffs he is a liability on that side so for me as much as I love him offensively if we're not going to use him as a wing back like we saw in the ara no 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 not rsl what was the second game of the season uh colorado yeah. like we yeah. saw in the colorado game where he had a fantastic game at wingback, in my opinion. If we're not going to see him in that kind of role, then unfortunately I don't really want to see him starting at left back. He's not good enough at left back for me. Who and, are you putting in his place? I mean, there are, there's hundreds of options out there. Uh, on the team. On the team? No, no. I'm Nobody right now. But what I'm what I'm trying to say is just future improvement. This is needs to come somewhere, from somewhere where we need to improve this squad. You know, if we're kind of being harsh right now, we've said okay, Galese is good enough for this squad. Juan's good enough for this squad. For me, 
Joao Moutinho is not good enough to bring us to playoffs at left as a starting fullback left back. If he's the going to be the Achilles heel of the defense, I agree with you. If and he might be better this season. We don't know what he worked on the off season. We've seen him one game at fullback this season. We saw him at wingback, obviously second game. Uh, I don't think we've seen Oscar Pereja's version of Joao Moutinho. Obviously, O'Connor loved to push fullbacks up high, and he asked Moutinho to do that a lot. Maybe because he had no better option, that was his scheme, and he was going to implement it, but also Moutinho just didn't have the pace to get back, and he's maybe needs to play that out of his system. I don't know. I think he has talent. I think he absolutely could be a very, very, very good player. He just needs to be or around the game more and get his defensive position better, which is definitely something that can be fixed, especially in a young player. Oh yeah. He's only 22. So I don't know. I think we've, I don't know that I'm spending big money on a fullback, you know? Yeah, definitely. I don't know. Fullbacks are an important position, but we would need to see some major improvement over the next season or two, um, or really, you know, season, if there is one, which we'll talk about later. Um, but I think we've touched on Kamal Miller enough. He's a solid backup. Uh, I think we're all happy for him as a solid backup at left back and even a potential starter at center back if his uh, progression goes as some of us hope. Now let's talk about the center back room. Uh, I think we are pretty strong. Let's start, start, let's, let's start with our starters and Daniel, I kind of want you to rate our center backs, Carlos and Janssen, against kind of the rest of the league. I think uh, potentially they're, they're very strong. Um, I'd, I'd put them in... I mean, right now, we've, we've only a couple games to go off. I mean, you'd have to say they're probably in the mid-range somewhere. But potentially they could be, they could be you know, far better. I mean, their development's going to depend as well just on how the team is going to be set up and how the fullbacks are going to do as well. Your two centre-backs could have a great game, but they could still never keep a clean sheet if your fullbacks can't defend properly or the midfield doesn't get back and help them. So um, I'm reluctant to say that, you know, they're going to be a top pair right now. But, I mean, Janssen, you know, on paper is a very good player. I think he's very capable. And Antonio is, is obviously very well-valued um, in his previous uh, tenures with other teams. So I'd say he's not as good as, uh, they're not as good yet as as the other top top uh, defensive pairings, you know, your Atlantas and Red Bulls and those types of teams that have good solid defenses. But I'd say they're in that top third of the, of the league, you know, potentially. Yeah, I think we just need to see more chemistry out of them. And one thing I do want to highlight is Antonio Carlos, uh, I, don't, I don't know how good his English is, um, but I think he now has a lot of time to devote to learning English, as does Robin Janssen. I know he's already been here a year, but mm-hmm. uh, he's also going to be able to improve his English. And, you know, th- that will improve the communication between the two of them. Hopefully they've been keeping in contact with each other. They can kind of discuss things um, that they need to do together. Uh, obviously, that's a Goldilocks situation. Maybe they haven't talked at all. I don't know. But, you know, hopefully that's something they are doing. And I'm 
I'm content with the pairing for now, but I definitely need to see more. Antonio Carlos impressed me one game and disappointed me in another game. So I I think we just need to see more, like you said, Daniel. Um, let's kind of talk about the backups real quick. Rodrigo Schlegel and Alex DeJohn. Chase, I know um, you are very high on Rodrigo Schlegel, uh, and I agree with that sentiment. But what about Alex DeJohn? Uh, what were your thoughts on him last season? Yeah, well, Schlegel, I think, is probably our best center back in terms of just, like, technical ability with the ball on his feet. And Alex DeJohn is, like, another case similar to Kyle Smith, though I'm probably a little bit not as high on him, maybe, where, like, a fourth-choice center back, it's really hard to find value because you can't spend a lot of money there. And he's a, he's he's not necessarily too young. He's very kind of athletically limited almost, but you know he has experience. He played uh, in like like Norway or something like that, and in a couple games where he's gotten appearances, he's just been uh, passable, but obviously for an MLS player, a little bit under average. Um, but unless we hit on like a draft pick, I don't think we're gonna really be able to improve that, improve that, or you know if we actually kind of get our youth system in Kate or uh, youth system going. But, I don't know, Alex DeJohn is just a little bit kind of eh to me, if you know what I'm saying. And I hope that he gets kind of replaced by someone, hopefully, just because it's a sign of sign of improvement if we can finally get some academy players or, or just, you know, young co- collegiate players in. Well, I think the idea would be if DeJohn were to leave, you slide Kamal Miller over to that fourth center back spot, third, fourth mm. center back spot, and then you get a left back, either starting or backup, depending on what they want to do with Moutinho. Yeah. I think that would be the, the perfect situation. I also kind of think that Kamal Miller probably, even though I don't even know if he's really played at all, left or center back, excuse me, he's kind of doubles as like the backup left back, and he would also be like a fifth choice center back. And I th- actually, I think he played maybe on the, the first game of like uh, last season as like he's, the left-sided center back in like a back three. Yeah, he's mainly he been deployed as the left center back in a three. Yeah, 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 yeah. And, I and I think that he's seen good. him in a two. I, I think we Kamal have, Miller, but not that often. I think that Kamal Miller, you know, we already talked about him, but, you know, he's a Canadian international where he still even mainly plays fullback, but I think that he's a, he's a decent player. But Alex Jean, I just, I, I, I like him as a guy. He seems pretty cool. And uh, I hope that he kind of gets cycled through the club eventually with, with a younger player and, you know, maybe even a homegrown or something like that. Uh, maybe if you guys know more about OCB, you can kind of throw a name out there. But, yeah, I'm a little bit eh, on him. I am not well-versed in OCB. I think we actually did have a really good center back last year at OCB. I'm not sure if he's still with us. I know we had, like, um, Tiago Mateos, who was, like, kind of decent. But I don't know. I could yeah, be completely uh, wrong. Who's the guy that David Valentin really likes? The left back? Um, uh, uh, Dioff, maybe? No. Damn, we're showing like true colors right now. <laughs> I think he's Brazilian. Uh, Hold on. If you want to know about OCB last year, um, Lions Den had a really good pot on it where they went super in depth and and I think uh, yeah. a few of their guys go to actually regularly go to OCB games. Uh, Moises Taplante, that's his name. Yes. Mo- oh, Moises Taplante. Yeah. Who knows? Uh, and doesn't I think Sergio plays like C like CDM or something. But I think he also moonlights at center back. Uh, I don't know. I like like I said, I don't really pay attention to. Uh, yeah. 
Oh, Moises Tablante is a left winger, not a left back. So I was very wrong. <laughs> Anyways, let's move to midfield. Oh, um, wait, well, one more thing about center backs. Okay. So I think that we have center back P- PTSD as Orlando fans, supporters, whatever. Uh, <laughs> I think if we're being harsh, uh, I think that our starting pair is in terms of overall effectiveness, Carlo Ignace and league average. And we think that's good because we're Orlando City fans. Mm. Uh, mm. They, I am. Janssen has had stretch last year. Had stretches of below average play. He did. He had stretches yes. of good play, very good play. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that averages out to average. Antonio Carlos, very talented. He's been caught sleeping in the two games that we've seen from him so far. He's had very good moments. He's had very bad moments. He's given up. I think he gave up one or two goals so far. Uh, uh, just just the one just in the one? Colorado game where he was just like, what was he doing? Uh, yes, uh, you can't have that from a center back. Their job is not <laughs> to get beat. He got beat, you know? Uh, yeah. I think and until we see further evidence, Janssen I'm comfortable with. He's going to have stretches of good play, stretches of below average play. Maybe he can knock a little bit of rust off and, and find the motivation to be better. Carlos Jury is still out, man. Uh, so I think the the highest you can rate them right now, in my opinion, is league average and hope they get better. All right. I think that's well said. Daniel, Jackson Mendez, go. I think Probably. Mendez, uh, yeah, he's a, he's a very good player, right? He's uh, He's got a very good skill set as far as the ball distribution, tackling. Uh, he's very diminutive and gets around. He, he's a player that I think will benefit again from from better coaching, better individual coaching. Maybe um, just to give him a little more effectiveness in the in the final third and in transitions, because even even he last season had some some games where he was kind of anonymous or or just not not playing very well. But it's like I said with the centre backs, you can only do so much if the players around you. Um, are only doing the minimum. So with Mendes, he might benefit from being in a a good organised system where the players around them know a little bit more about what they're supposed to do. And I think in a, in an ideal world where we would be playing this season, I think he would have had his breakout season this year. Oh yeah, I think our transfer plans took a huge hit from. Mm-hmm. Um, well, obviously all transfer plans across the globe have taken a huge hit, but ours with Mendez especially, I think we were looking to put him in through uh, Copa America and then get a really good bid from him. I think that was the plan for him. But I will say I would like to see more offensively if he does stay. I'd like the I'd like the team to actually just want to win and not worry about selling a player for a season. Maybe let's try and build a team for a couple That'd of years. Nice. And, you know, yeah. not, not look at it as a business. I mean, that's a whole other topic altogether, but... Uh, cultivation of talent should be at the top of that list with selling it you know a secondary item you know it's it's uh i think they they had a bid right for was it about seven million i think for mendez rumored uh, yes rumored mm. bid seven, seven million i mean after mls gets its cut and everything else i mean there's barely anything left you know in terms of profit it's not worth it i believe they changed that in mlspa finally or um not MLSPA. The the negotiation. Collective bargaining. Yeah, CBA. 
Yeah. Which, still not been signed off. Right? Yeah, that's that's something that I was uh, gonna say. Yeah. At, at the end of that article, they said that it like has not been ratified yet. And I know that we're gonna talk about kind of this whole tournament thing at the end. But they said that basically, like, it could be thrown out if an agreement is not reached pertaining to like a restart. But oh. that's just a whole completely different animal. Oh, it's like uh, having a dinner table right now where somebody's threatening to try and pull the the tablecloth from beneath all the dishes, right? Yeah. Yeah. Let me see. I think I saw something also that um, said that under or under like the COVID uh, policies that anything enacted under the new CBA would basically be postponed a year. Yeah. So, th- so this is kind of like the last yeah. quote. Sorry, this is from that last quote from that athletic article where they said uh, MLSPA agreed to this offseason, uh, but the CBA has not yet been ratified. And because the agreement has not been formally sealed, owners could theoretically lock out the players, which would stop their pay and end their league-provided health insurance benefits. Which wow. I think, like, I'm not trying to be, uh, you know, MLS is kind of trying to get past this, but if we get sort of the outside reputation of a place where you could the league could get locked out and you could lose your pay. A lot of the players like Nani, like Carlos Vela, are not going to want to come here anymore. So that, I think, would be kind of like a catastrophic thing for the MLS. That would uh, be a league-ruining move from yeah, the like, owners. Like it gen- and I don't think they'd do it. We're still in, inf- like, in the infancy of the league, and I genuinely think that that could be something that maybe not would have the MLS like, fold or anything like that, but it would set us back 20 years, something like that. Like crazy, crazy amount of time. But that would be a very American thing to do. It, it happened. With, <laughs> it's happened with the NHL. It's happened with the NFL. Uh, MLB. MLB. I don't know about NBA, but I think so. Maybe they've always. I think it's always players. like they just kind of like, you know, it's thrown around. Like the possibility is always kind of there. The players have a lot more power in the NBA. It's a very different league. Um, but I, I continue it's to see really similarities with the NFL's front office and MLS front office. I really hope they don't carry over here. Um, well, some I know uh, Colorado Rapids owner um, Cronky Sports Cronky. Entertainment owns yeah, the they, uh, Los Angeles Rams. There's some uh, crossovers. There's some, uh, Arthur yeah. Blank lo- owns the Falcons and Atlanta United. Um, New England. Oh uh, yeah, Robert Kraft New Kraft. England, obviously. Um, it uh, briefly touching on Robert Kraft New England. If he's serious about spending money on the Revs, watch out. They're going to be real good real quick. Yeah, he's so, yeah. loaded. Yeah. yeah, maybe like Atlanta yeah. man. He's a, he has like Arthur Blank money, if not more. He, yeah, yeah, he could turn them into an Atlanta easily. I, he I just do ha- say, hasn't cared up until this point. I do want to say on your point, Daniel, about it not being a business. Uh, if we were to get the right bid for him, though, I would want us to sell. Yeah, but if it has to be at, a, has to be a big bid. That is worth it. Like it's worth, you know, ruining your, you know, chances of, of winning something. You know, I mean, it's look at what Atlanta did when they sold, Army Run. I mean, they definitely got the better end of the deal there. And yeah, but what chances do of do we have of winning something right now? More with oh, Mendes no. than without. Also, he's, he's like a foundational win. player, and if you just kind of yeah. cut that out, then. There it goes, well, look yeah. at Liverpool. They had Coutinho, who they almost won the league with. They get rid of him, use that money to get Van Dyke, use other money to get other players, and now they are going to win the league. Yeah, yeah, but do you think Orlando would do that? Yeah, and and I just I just think the way that MLS <laughs> is set up, like you cannot, you can't do something like that almost. Well, we ain't win the league on a three million dollar cut of a seven million dollar transfer. Yeah, I'm not talking seven. I'm talking in the 
15, 16, 17 range. Uh, oh, who's giving us that for sale last night in this right now? A Seri All Stupid Club would give yeah, us that stupid. money if he had a good Copa America. Yeah, well, yeah, if he had a good Copa America. Because they get inflated. He's going to be, he's young. He's There are going to be other Copa Americas well, for him. He's I mean, very this young. Is let's just, he's let's now. captain of the Ecuadorian national team. He's not going anywhere. He's, let's not forget that. Yeah. COVID is going to crush transfers for... It's going to probably yeah, reset the market. Yeah. Unless, right Orlando, yeah, unless Orlando wins something with Mendes while he has this breakout, you're not going to get more than 10 million for Mendes. I'll yeah. guarantee it. Especially because he doesn't... He's not an attacking mid. There's not big money there. That's true. No. He's, a, he's like a Conte-esque player. Yeah, and think about how, how everyone rates in Golo Conte. You think if Chelsea decided to sell him, he would go for a hundred mil? Um, I don't think honestly, so. Honestly, yes. I'm not gonna lie. I mean, he's kind of old now. Well, like, not 29? maybe like if they sold him like two years ago, he would have been like. Well, how much valuable. did they pay Lester for? Forty million? Yeah, like I, I want to say. I I don't think Golo Conte goes for a hundred million, and that's just the economics of it. I think Golo Conte's one of the best players in the Premier League, but yeah. there are other more valuable. For instance, um, I and y'all know I. I'm a Spurs fan, but I think Deli Alley, if sold, would go for more than Golo Kante. Well, Golo Kante is like just because 30 he plays that there. more forward position, and that's what's more valued in, in uh, around the world. It does depend on where they were in their contracts, uh, the age as well, uh, the, the age profile. Um, and yes, positionally, Deli Alley is going to produce more in terms of goals and assists than Golo Kante is. But if you if you anyway, give me an option to take one for my side, uh, I'm taking Conte, especially a younger Conte. Even though oh, Delhi yeah. would sell for more. Oh yeah, the importance of Mendez to this team is insane. Let's talk about the other central midfielder who's been starting games. Junior Urso uh, just came over from Corinthians, and he had a. <clears throat> as much as I love the guy, I'm a big Junior Urso fan. A lot of people would say he had an average start to his Orlando City career. Maybe not something that everybody expected. He, he He's kind of like a defensive mid almost. Um, mm. So, Chase, I, I will start with you. Were you kind of maybe underwhelmed by Urso's start? Yeah, I was definitely underwhelmed, especially considering we like paid like a little transfer fee for him, like, it was not quite a million, but it was it was something near that. And also, right. he is like, you know, he's thirty. He's a player who kind of, I, well, we've only seen him play two games, so I can't necessarily speak really too well on his play style, kind of. But he strikes me as the type of player that kind of relies on like physical ability, and that could decline rapidly in these next coming years. So, I don't know. I mean, especially after he didn't have like fantastic performances, I'm a little bit down on him. Uh, but I mean, you know, midseason form, junior or so could be a completely different player. So he's one of them, one of those players, especially like you know Antonio Carlos, where it's hard to have an opinion because just the what we've seen of him is is, is quite small. You know what I'm saying? Well, one thing I do want to say is that he seems to be used as kind of like a horizontal player. Um, that's something I've noticed where he will move left to right, left to right, left to right, but he will not move up and down. He won't go up the field that much. He, he'll he'll stand maybe uh, 15 yards into uh, the opponent's half, but that's kind of his space. Uh, Daniel, did you see any other tactical 
things with Junior Urso like that. Yeah, he's a <clears throat> excuse me, he's a he's a very good transitional player. Like he, uh, I think the role you're talking about is like a car- Cariello, I think it is. It's what the Italians call it. Um, they typically play sort of just between the lines in the midfield and connect the play. Um, I've only seen him play once live. I didn't get to the home game at the start of the season. I saw him in the in the friendly that we went to see. Mm-hmm. But he, um, he he seemed to complement very well, you know, the, the two players that he'll play next to. Um, like I don't see Urso as a as a player that, for me, I would play in a four four two. I don't think he has a a defined role or or maybe the physical attributes to play in a two. But in in a three, I think mm-hmm. he he can complement whoever he's with, whether it's with a playmaker, a ball winner, or. A, you know, someone who's playing deeper. I think he can he can be that kind of like assistant that those guys need to do some of the dirty work and to give them the ball. So I, yeah, I think in essence, I think he's a good player. But we don't have a sample size really to judge how well he's done or how he can do. Uh, but I'd say the early signs were promising, in my opinion. Yeah, and I, I guess I feel like I'm a little wrong in this in the sense that he doesn't go forward because sometimes he will break into the box. I think we did notice that. It's probably not his probably not his role. I mean, if you're playing like a, a four three three type of formation, I mean, he's going to be there just to he's going to be there to try and get the ball out to those wide players and and to and to the midfielders near him. He's, he's it's just probably not his role. He might just be getting told not to go forward. Who knows? Yeah, I I, I think he's just like the the late runs. That might be his only action near the box but mostly yes he does just kind of stick to the middle of the field yeah we won't see those late runs you won't see runs like that from anyone especially in a team with so many new players i feel as if uh these players are, are devoid of chemistry they uh, they only had a few weeks together in the preseason, and then like i say they've they had two games and we've had this covid so um <clears throat> this chemistry for all these players we might not we're probably not going to see till till next year if you if you're my opinion Adam, did you have something? Uh, yeah, we definitely have to remember the style and the uh, the scheme that Oscar Vareja likes to play and that he likes to shift his attack from left to right. But once the uh, the team feels out the side they want, they go only that side and they hit it. So he's not going to send both of his central midfielders up at the same time. You also remember the uh, the beginning of the season that we got to see Mendez was on fire. They, like, there's a reason we were talking about him. Like, this could have been his breakout season because he was really good in those first two games. So he was going up a lot and he was being a facilitator, especially with Nani out. And he had the ball at his feet a lot. He was picking up passes. So Mendez, or not Mendez, sorry, Urso was sitting back and covering more so Mendez could afford to get forward and play that box to box role. I think, and I said this back when when we were like, oh, is Junior Urso not as good as we thought he would be? I think he'll be fine. Uh, he's shown good ability on the ball. He's a good passer, side-to-side and in transition. He has very good awareness of the game around him. Um, he just wasn't asked to do anything spectacular, and so he didn't. And I think maybe that's what we were expecting. Like, we get this older guy from Brazil that's uh, played with some big names. Like, oh, he's going to come in, he's going to dribble past some guys and pick out that pass and score a goal, and, you know. We were thinking, oh, what if he scores like eight goals this season? Like, I, mm-hmm. I think that's unreasonable. Um, so, for those very high expectations, maybe he didn't meet them. But 
I think once you look at it in the context of Oscar Breha's system, then it's and how Mendez was going forward, it makes sense that he wasn't really asked to do a lot. I think if we had had a full season and we had seen a bunch of games by now, we'd be perfectly happy with him, <clears> to be honest. Yeah, I think the value in a player like Urso is, is how well the players next to him will have done with his presence on the pitch. And you need those quiet players. Uh, we had this argument about Cal Smith. You need those uh, quiet players that just have a steady game, and that's where Urso fits in into the grand scheme of things for me. And going back to your point about dribbling past players and scoring goals, I I remember when Nosserino came in and people said, oh yeah, he's come from AC Milan and they were getting like mad at him because he wasn't scoring goals or doing any of the the fancy stuff and I remember thinking to myself, how many of you actually watched Nosserino or know anything about him about his position in the team is it doesn't matter if you're an expensive player and you're a defensive midfielder, you're a defensive midfielder because that's what you are, it's not because you uh, score goals, you don't get paid to score goals in that position it's uh I think her soul will be just fine, just like you said, Adam. I wonder if we sign like a big money center back, like say Virgil Van Dyke decided to come to Orlando City or whatever. Would <laughs> would to, fans? The club. Yes, yeah. He just he's just a real big fan. But would people <laughs> get mad at him for not scoring goals? I mean, it's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. Every corner people would expect a goal. I think. Yes. He's tall. He, he's yeah. strong. Every corner, I think they would say. Just give it to Van Dyke, man. Yeah. Yeah. They, Put it in the net. They dude. would expect double digit goals off of corners. Mm-hmm. Like it's oh, expectations <laughs> would be ridiculous. And I think it's it's obviously a much less extreme case of that with Urso. But Notorino is a perfect example. I was, I was just thinking of him too. Like Urso reminds me. Notorino is a really good player with us. His the teams yeah. around him just sucked. <laughs> like he yeah. he yeah. would be like the classiest player mm-hmm. on the field and and he would be the only one. He's one of my favorite yeah. favorite midfielders of like the last, you know, sort of 10 and 15 years. I I love Nosserino. I watched him playing for for Milan and such and I just thought what a good player he is. What, what an intelligent a, player he is. He's a fantastic distributor and yeah. defender and his his positioning and knowledge of the game is is world class. Mm-hmm. But he doesn't score goals, so that's not his game. Yeah. All right, guys, let's move on. We've been going for a while now. Let's talk about Yuri Rossell. Um, so far, he hasn't played at all this season. He was injured and didn't even make the bench. Um, so we kind of have to recall to our memories uh, about what we think about him. Uh, solid backup option, in my opinion. Um, if he doesn't score enough goals. Oh yeah, he's scoring <laughs> enough goals. If used correctly, I believe he could be good enough to start. Um, we saw that in, over at Sporting, where he was key in their run-up to winning the uh, MLS Cup in 2013, I think. Um, and Adam, what do you think is the best way to use him? Um, as a defensive midfielder, he. He's Neutrino light, in my opinion. Um, Neutrino is obviously was at one time a world class player, or so was not. Uh, but he's still very good in MLS, you know. Um, Mendez and Urso, you're starting to in in the midfield. There's no way around that. But if you have to start a game with Urso and Uri, 
Mendes, you're not crying about it. He's going to sit there. He's going to cover the back line. He's going to, he's not going to advance a lot. He's not going to play box to box, but he's going to, he will make a forward pass from a deep line position, which is something that Will Johnson would not do. And so as the primary backup midfielder or even a starter, if, if someone goes down or if that's just how it shakes out, I'm fine with him because he'll pick his head up and he'll look forward, which is what you need. All right, Chase, coming to you for another youngster. Andreas Perea had a very good game against Colorado. Um, what were your thoughts on the youngster in that game, and what do you see his future being? Yeah, actually, I don't know if you guys remember, but I kind of blamed him for the first goal more so that's than right, you guys you did. did. But, I mean, right. you know, he's he's like 18, so that's just comes with it. Uh, you know, he was good at uh, the – U20 World Cup, I want to say he played maybe most of the games. I watched a couple games of uh, with Columbia, and he was pretty decent. I think he's a good player. Uh, I don't know what's going to happen. I know that we have him on loan. I don't know if he's going to come back. But, you know, he's just one of those pieces that you want to see your club getting. He's a good uh, young defensive midfielder. He's technically decent. Uh, and... He is someone, uh, these are the type of moves that we need to continue making. And I'm happy that he's here. I'm happy he doesn't take up, you know, an international roster spot being born in Tampa. And uh, I, uh, I hope to see more of him when the season starts up. Seems like he has all the tangibles. He's physically yeah. pretty good. He's fast, um, d- decent on the ball. Uh, he seems like the type of player that you could use in a 4-4-2 setup in that yeah. midfield. Yeah, he's he's very capable uh, as a sort of sort of like you know he's not like athletically limited like someone like Yuri Russell is, and he has the potential to you know expand his passing range and his first touch is pretty good, and uh, you know yeah he's a decent player and someone who you know we might even not spend too much time talking on is Joey Desart, who I thought had a very good preseason, who is someone uh, that I didn't really know anything about because you know he went to Wake Forest. And I don't watch much college soccer other than probably a couple UCF games that I might catch. Uh, He's a really, he seems like a pretty decent player. I thought maybe based off that assessment that he could actually get some playing time in this season. Um, He's technically decent. He was moving up the pitch and, you know, he found himself in the final third sometimes and he was kind of linking up well with other players. And uh, Joey Desart is someone that I would kind of campaign for, you know, uh, whether it's, some appearances off the bench at the end of games trying to kind of close something out or you know maybe even getting a start in the u.s open cup he's someone who i would like to see as well yeah it seems like our midfield is really like a next man up kind of thing like okay let's say we lose mendez and uh mendez to international rosell to injury okay Perea, you're up next desart you're on the bench i mean desart was on the bench when rosell was injured as well as Perea. So I'm pretty happy with our midfield at the moment. I'd also like to say that I think these are the type of players, Perea and Desart, that kind of like you see over in uh, New York Red Bulls, kind of like how these random players just come out of nowhere. They'll get rid of somebody for decent money, and then some random youngster will come in through the through the ranks, and they're like, oh, well, these, this kid's young, so he's not going to be good. And then, lo and behold, they've just been nurturing this young talent, and they're ready to start at an MLS level club and make the playoffs. These are the type of players that I think are have the capability to do that. Yeah, and Perea especially now, uh, 
Is he like? Is there like some sort of obligation to buy in his deal? It's an Do you option to buy. It's not. Is it just an option? It up. Yeah. Is so the it's, fee set it's a fin, or? I'm not sure, but I, I imagine that it would be kind of a flip the switch. You know, um, the club would yeah. do it. I mean. I mean, preface this. I do not believe. I think Nikki Buds would do it, but I don't think Nikki. I don't think Louise Muzi <laughs> would uh, would take a young talent like Perea in a deep midfield with with three guys potentially ahead of him if he wasn't go going to um, if he didn't have a an automatic automatic option. You know, if if yeah. If Nacional could take him back if they wanted him and Orlando City also wanted him, it would not be a smart move. He's 20 years old, 19, 20, something like that. He's 19 right now. 19 years old. Uh, he's talented, but he's not quite there yet in terms of polish. There are other guys ahead of him. It would be stupid to just take him on loan and just not play him. You know? So I'm, yeah. I'm very... I would be extremely shocked if we didn't have just an automatic option. Yeah, I, 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 and I saw, I completely advocate for just kind of, I mean, not with reckless abandon, but just kind of taking punts on players, you know, from times. Like, I think, Why like, Casares is someone that you're talking about from New York Red Bulls. Uh, he came from Venezuela, and he was kind of unknown, and now he's one of the, you know, like, people rate him pretty highly. Like, he's a player that could kind of move for a fee, and, you know, New York, uh, New York City FC, they also got... Oh God! It was another uh, Venezuelan player who now is playing in Spain. Uh, they got on loan from Man City, and they just kind of gave him some option, uh, gave him some play time in the midfield, and he just kind of came good. And he was one of the better players in the league, which I can't remember his name for some reason. But I, I just, I think it's it's smart to take these kind of like low risk options. Like if he's a poor player, uh, we'll just kind of you know send him to the bench or the reserves. And uh, then just let him go back. But if he does come good, we'll be able to buy. And um, I think I, it's a smart move. That's essentially what we did with one. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and I think that that's something that's common, not just even in the MLS. Like, we have it with Antonio Carlos, too. And I, I even think Schlegel. Like, I don't think any of them are actually here permanently right now. But it's common, you know, in just the greater sort of soccer, football, whatever you would like to call it, kind of kind of sphere. Spurs and I think it's it smart business. And yeah, and that's a top Ham- club. Yeah, Hamas was only on, ever on loan to Bayern, and you know, at the end of his stint, even though he did well, like he didn't really want to keep him. They didn't want to pay what Real was demanding, and then he's gone. So it's completely harmless, and uh, you know, you can get value out of, out of a player, and it's financially, it's it's a, it's a pretty decent move. So you know, I like him as a player. I like the situation that he's in, and uh, I hope that he, you know, comes good. All right, now let's move on. We I feel like we touched on Joey Desart enough there, just a sixth or seventh uh, center midfielder for us. He has a future at the club, uh, possibly. Now let's move on to our starting number 10, Maurizio Pereira. Um, injury prone, maybe. Uh, he missed the second game of the season, or missed the starting lineup of the second game of the season. Uh, came back a little too early last season and went out injured. Um, but we all have very, very, very high hopes for him. As we have kind of been proven right in the RSL game, he was very promising, also being voted best player in Krasnodar history, a club that I think most of us would recognize as uh, a higher reputation, and Orlando City being over there in the Russian Premier League, playing in the Europa League and the Champions League and stuff like that. Daniel, um, 
what are your thoughts on us having Pereira? Is he the right man to, to kind of bring us to that next level going forward in the attack? Yeah, in my opinion, he he should he should enough. He has the uh, the um, you know credentials from like I said from Krasnodar. A very smart player um, knows how to look up. He seems to connect well with uh, with the other attacking-minded players like uh, Nani and such. Which I think again, he's going to benefit from having those types of people around him. He's he's used to playing in in good strong teams, so I think if we could connect him with a very good striker or if Benji maybe breaks out up front then I think you're going to see a player in Pereira that's going to be a, a you know very key factor in what Orlando can do going forward yeah I uh, sorry I had to take a sip of water there but I uh, mm -hmm. I, I just want him to get fit you know I think that anyone listening to this is probably well aware that he is uh, a quality player could potentially be one of the better players in the league if we get a fit uh, Pereira, who has uh, been in the squad, developed some sort of chemistry. It just kind of seems whenever he is getting going, he either picks up a little nick and he has to get out for a game, or you know we got him uh, uh, during the uh, the off season of the Russian Premier League, and he wasn't fully fit when he came back, and he was only able to play kind of like sixty minutes in a game and things like that. Or you know now, you know obviously this is unforeseen, but the league just completely stops because of everything that's going on. And I want him to get some semblance of fitness and some time actually in the squad because we all know that he can be a phenomenal player. He just has to be put in the position to do so and given the opportunity to do so. And he hasn't really had that yet. You know, despite how highly we rate him, he hasn't really had the ability to do much. Well, he can't, he can't catch a break. And yeah. uh, you have to sympathize for him because he, he probably worked himself really hard. He probably had a good rest over the winter. And then, which I think he needed a rest sort of mentally and you know physically having been playing over in, in Krasnodar and then coming over to, to Florida, the climate change, the time difference. I mean, that can, all, that can mess you up big time, um, especially when you're having to get in shape to be an athlete. And then... You know, he gets the season ends almost just when he's starting to find his rhythm, and then you come back, and now we're off again. And I'd heard some whispers, I think, somewhere that he was maybe not happy, or he was going to leave at the end of this year. He was considering it. I mean, it could well be perversely that Orlando never really gets to see him or get yeah. to see the best of him, and that's that's going to be pretty sad. So I'm, I'm hoping that you know we'll get another year out of him after this is gone. Um, hopefully next year will be a, a good year with him involved because this season's kind of a wash for me. I mean, even if we do have the, the little mini tournament, it's not going to be that many games. So, if, but the thing with that mini tournament is, it's you know whether this actually comes to fruition or not is you know who knows. But it's actually supposed to be kind of a predecessor to actually playing out the season. Like that's not going to be for the league title. That's going to be for whether it's prize money or it's uh, you know, I don't even know what it's going to be, mm. but they're going to, uh, I don't know. I, I guess we'll save it for later, but that's just going to be the, just kind of like a marketing campaign of like the MLS is back. They'll get five games that are going to count towards the regular season. Mm. And then they'll play in sort of a playoff situation for some title other than the MLS cup. You know what I'm saying? I, I understand. No, uh, I understand kinda, that. I bad, just don't, bad. no, no, I get, I get that completely. What I'm, what I'm saying is that, He's not coming into a situation, 
you know, like is where you where you can thrive. You know, the conditions to thrive yeah. are just not there. I mean, you you're going to be coming back into training in June. I mean, there's, there's going to be a pre-season where you can't even you may not even be able to train in a full group until the week before the first game. I mean, mm-hmm. what what quality of play are we going to are we going to experience? I mean, it's what quality? Play? And so yeah, it's like uh, so. Even if there is the mini tournament and such, it's it's not going to be. You know, I think a lot of people think the players are just going to be able to jump straight back in like it's a game of FIFA and just pick it up. It's. I don't feel it's going to be easy for these players. I think they they're going to be uh, looking at an uphill struggle to to get into form. They'll be and also like you know you kind of said it. They'll be under a lot of mental kind of duress because they're gonna. They specifically said they're gonna have to be quarantined away from their families. So yeah. and a lot of people are not very happy with what's going on supposedly so no. this tournament is not really going to be a reflection maybe of how good teams are and how they stack up against each other in the mls but who can kind of rise through adversity so it yeah. almost certainly won't be uh yeah think about in your experience with this whole coronavirus thing and how many different opinions you've seen by people you know people you don't know people you've seen on twitter mm-hmm. people you've seen on tv uh, whoever, there's a very, very large array of opinions and feelings about this whole thing. MLS players are people too, and they will have those range of opinions and feelings. Some of them will want to be there. Some of them won't. Some of them are going to hate it that because they're going to have to be away from their families, and, and they don't want that. Uh, some of them are going to be very excited just playing soccer again. I'm, I'm sure a lot of them will. Some of those players, uh, like Nani, can probably go off and get another team. Yeah, so some of them might want to leave. Some of them won't agree with how MLS is handling it. Handling it. That's not to say any particular thing about how they're handling it, but just some won't agree. And then some are going to be out of shape. Maybe a lot are going to be out of shape. I think it's so. Say you get. I mean, a lot of people did get sent home from their jobs. You know. Uh, if you had to go back, if you haven't done your job in two months and uh, you had to go back and do it tomorrow, would you be good at it? Uh, you might be, and you might just be good at it, but I think there'd be a little bit of rust there. you like, oh, yeah, I remember I used to do this. So whatever your job is, um, it takes a little bit of getting used to back into a routine. They, they haven't had those training routines. The team chemistry is going to be awful. I think we're going to see some really sloppy soccer. Uh, and I think we're going to see some crazy stuff happen. And I think teams that people don't expect to be good, they might not be good, but they might just be more equipped to deal, and they're going to win a few games in this little tournament. Well, yeah. look at Bundesliga. Yeah. Y'all saw how terrible the oh, defending yeah. was over there. Yeah, It was horrible. Le- Leipzig's like a fantastically talented team, and they even looked – they just looked poor. And, like, they're not even – you know, quarantined away from their families. Like, they're going through life sort of as normal as you can at the moment. Mm. And they don't have all those external factors, and they still were not even close to, uh, I not even 100%. They weren't even probably like 75 or 65%, something like that. Like, they were, they were far off their best. Yeah. Now, if I go back to uh, something that Daniel said about, let's say that, this league season doesn't happen and Pereira leaves at the end of his contract. 
which would be at the end of this season. Would that be the worst transfer Orlando City's ever made? Nope, dumb player. Ooh. Yeah, too much, too much, too much like tan game was given there. Not close. Put a lot of eggs in that basket. He, really? Pereira, uh, Pereira was a free, a free that you paid. Yeah, he's yeah. He's a DP though. He's on a free. And also, the, I, I get what you're saying, but I think that. I mean, I don't. You, I know you don't mean like worst as how it would reflect on kind of like the backroom staff or things like this, but this is just like I don't know. I almost kind of would give that sort of a pass just because you can't really predict that, and it, it's it would just be more disappointing, which I think is probably what you're trying to get at because he is like an immensely talented player, and we never, not even for a second, got him at anywhere near his best, and. I, I think, like, if I were to bet on it, that's probably what's just going to happen. Like, I think that, you know, I don't know if he wants to go back to Uruguay or something like that or if he wants to maybe even retire after the season. But I I, I don't know. Something just tells me that he's just not going to be with us for much longer Man, and we're never hurts. really going to get the best out of him. Uh, we but he could be. He could, like, right could want to stay and he could be great. Yeah. I, 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 think, I think this is speculation and... Not much to go on here. Well, we'll I'm saying that we'll just because... We'll see what happens. I Yeah, well, yeah. But I, I kind of heard that, too, what Daniel was saying, that maybe he didn't want to stay past this season. But, you know, this is all hearsay. And But I, I think it just could potentially happen, and maybe it's me being a little could. too pessimistic, but... Uh, it, it could happen. It, it yeah. could not happen. We don't know. I, I think this is just speculation on... What someone might be feeling uh, six months from now, you know? Yeah. Yeah. All right, guys, let's move on. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, next is David Loera. Um, we saw a little bit of him in a preseason, and I don't know if he made a regular season appearance or not. But um, just to back up, attacking mid, uh, coming through the ranks, uh, OCB. Um, did he go through academy as well, or was it just OCB? He was uh, IMG, I want to say. Okay. So. Uh, don't quote me on that. Okay. I want to say he was an academy guy. He was here when he was like 15. Let me check. I'm looking right now. All right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, he was. He played. He was on Wikipedia. It says uh, he was with us from 2012 to 2017. So. All right. So. Go. Yep. Just back up. I'm fine with him for now. He impressed me in the preseason uh, friendly that Daniel and I went to together. Um, Josue Coman. Any thoughts on him, guys? I have no idea what's up with Josue Coman at the moment. I'll he see was him, doing decent. Yeah, I'll see him doing he, decent on like Twitter and stuff in Paraguay, but yeah, maybe I'll pass off to Adam. Or, he's the candidate for uh, most disappointing transfer in Orlando City history relative to expectations. Well, he is our record transfer, isn't he? Is he? Yeah, he is. Uh, two, three million, something like that. Oh, wow. Um, yeah. Uh, Again, we'll see. I I think at this point, anything we get from him is gravy. His DP spot is open right now because uh, he's on loan. We'll have to figure out something when he if if or when he comes back. Um, I don't think he's worth a DP spot if we're gonna have him on the roster, so we can figure that out. But yeah, I think at this point, uh, you just don't expect anything, and yeah, that's it. Yeah, still All 21 right, could turn out, but yeah. Yeah, let's talk about the forwards now. Let's talk about Luis Nani. Um, there's not much to say other than, you know, he is aging, and this certainly won't help. Uh, this coronavirus won't help him, but uh, 
certainly best player on the team still to this day. Mm-hmm. And he's also like the type of player where, you know, players like Carlos Vela, like they might not be up to like that physical standard, but their technical ability is still going to shine through to an extent just because they're so much better than a majority of players in the league if we get back to playing in this tournament thing. And yeah, he's just our best player far and away. Even, you know, he's even a level above like Mauricio Pereira and people like that. Right now, let's go to the striker room. And this is where we really, 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 really struggle. And where I think we just need a whole revamping. So let's start with Dom Dwyer because he is the alleged starter out of all of our strikers. Daniel, I'm going to go to you. Um, I'm pretty sure I know what you're going to say, but would you keep Dom Dwyer around or would you try and move him on? I think Dwyer. Um, I think Dwyer's time is probably up. You know, it, he's... From the an economic point of view, it's it's not a great deal for Orlando. It's it's taking up a a designated player spot and a huge salary cap hit. So he's a player that you know I want to like. Like I think he's he's got a nose for the penalty area. I think he he can find positions and I think he can potentially score. But I just feel like the the game has maybe moved on a little bit from having the the archetypal sorry the archetype of a poacher. Up front, uh, I feel like your strikers have to be able to bring more to the team. And if we're going to be playing in a system where you know he's just a one one man up front or you know one single striker with two supporting players, however you want to put it, then I think you need a different type of player to Dom Dwyer. Um, I don't want to be in a in a thing where I'm trashing him. I see plenty of that online, and and I don't think it's fair on the player because he's he's only going to do what he's asked to do. But Football wise, we need a different player, and we need to we need to invest significantly on that player, and, and not just a name, but someone that fits the system and can grow with the team and, and get better. You don't want a hot take. Hmm. Lay it on me. I. Dwyer can move to left back. <laughs> uh, almost as. <laughs> well, crazy. he's left footed. It, it's left uh, footed, right? It's right away. Actually, okay. Little tangent. When Dwyer gets out wide and he puts a cross in, it's actually pretty good. He's kind of talented at crossing. He just never does it because he plays central, center forward. Mm. Um, and tangent. My hot take. I kind of love that we have Dom Dwyer for this, for for this COVID tournament. I <laughs> really. I kind of love it. Um, reason being, uh, volatility is going to be our friend. So is regression to the mean in his case. Um, mean being average MLS striker. Um, but he strikes me as someone who his mental state definitely affects how he plays and where he is in life definitely affects how he plays. And I think for the longest time in Orlando City, he's been in a funk and he's been trying to play through that funk. And I thought that maybe he needed some time off. Well, he got it. I I want to see what a roll of the dice does to Dom Dwyer, you know? Because, especially since he's a poacher and we're going to see some sloppy defending, I think that he could pounce on some balls and he could start hitting them into the net rather than over them. He could pounce on some balls, all right. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. I mean, that's, a, that's an interesting take. I, um, I have no... He's a streaky player, man. He is streaky. I have no... Um, delusions that he's gonna score 10 goals in this tournament or whatever but 
I mean, maybe he could win us a match. Who else are we going to put up there? I mean, Benji's the only other one who has a realistic shot at being our starting striker this season. Akindele, and that's where <laughs> we're going next. Uh, what are we doing with Akindele, man? Uh, he's a backup, you know. He mm. is what he is. He he, if he'll get in a position, and if you get him the ball, he'll put it on frame. Uh, he's not yeah. he's not making his own shot. He's not a great passer. He's not particularly at, uh, athletic compared to other professional athletes. Um, he has okay technical ability, and he's an okay shot. All right, Chase, I'm gonna come to you for Chris Mueller. Um, good enough to keep in terms of going forward if we want to be successful, or is the fan favorite going to have to be moved on? Yeah, I, I definitely think he's good enough to keep. I don't, you know, we've said this and so many people have said this, he's not good enough to start, but he's, you know, a guy that you would want to kind of keep in the locker room and he's someone that can come in and provide a burst of, like, passion and energy and, you know, his decision-making is... His downfall definitely, but he's he's technically pretty decent, and he can pop up with goals. Like if he decides to take a shot on goal, you know we saw against Colorado, he can come out and and come out the better of a lot of tricky finishes. And I would like to see him stay, just because you know I also think that players that the fans are, you know, a little bit emotionally connected to is good for building kind of like a like a true culture and and keeping people sort of invested. And um. I think that if he starts, though, obviously, that's that's not something that we want to see. And uh, maybe a little bit of refinement, he can be a pretty decent player. And I think that you need some of these players that can just kind of come in and bring in a little bit of energy. And whether maybe David Larea could replace him in that kind of aspect, I don't know. But I would like to keep him as long as we don't have to pay him a whole lot. And, you know, he can keep kind of popping up with the odd goal and then injecting some energy and, and being good in the uh, the locker room. I mean, I will say I don't mind seeing him start, you know, maybe a third of the games of the season. I think he's good enough for that. I just, you know, going forward, if we want to be challenging for silverware, um, coming off the bench, being a really good impact player, that's his role. We've already talked about that a lot. So now, Daniel, I'm going to go to you for Benji Michel. Um, he's got a lot of potential. He's very quick, very good in front of goal, but in terms of on-the-ball play, in terms of, um, you know, being a part of a game, I feel like he goes missing at times. And is that good enough for us? Um, is that something that can be taught? Yeah, I'll defer back to the argument I made for Juan, is that, simply put, get play, uh, players like Mueller and, and Michelle and give them coaching, give them one-to-one, -one, give them feedback. You know, we've got some experienced players in, in the club that should be able to do that, and coaches are paid to do that. I've always felt in Orlando that the players are not coached well enough, and that's kind of indicated by how well some of them have done when they've left Orlando and done pretty well elsewhere. So I think that Mueller could become a starter. He needs to work on his game. Same with Benji Michel. He needs to... Uh, take some tips, he needs to practice, maybe he needs to put the hours in on the training ground, be the last guy off sort of thing, and um, I think he could become the starter, but you need games and you need coaching for that. 
Alright, well, the players that we really have remaining, Patino, Daryl DK, um, Bender, and Robinho, aren't really that impactful right now. So I kind of want to go through our starting lineup and just kind of do an overview of what we just talked about. So if we look at it, we got Galese and Goal. We kind of all agreed that he's good enough for our aspirations going forward. Juan, he has the potential to be good enough. Uh, Antonio Carlos, Robin Janssen. Carlos, we're going to reserve judgment on. Janssen, um, average, I think was the word that Adam used for him. Um, we have good depth with Schlegel, Dijon, and Kamal Miller, if need be. Also, Smith could do a job there, although uh, not all of us are on board with that. Uh, Moutinho at left back, I think we said needs coaching, um, has the potential to be a good enough fullback for us, or definitely already a good enough wingback for us, but again, needs to improve. We go to midfield, Junior Urso, reserve judgment, obviously, saw only two games, but um, in the system that we're playing, he can do a job. Mendez, uh, top baller for us, he is everything we need right now in terms of moving forward, trying to win silverware. Good depth in the center of midfield. We have Pereira, who we may or may not see. Uh, like Adam said, that is all speculation. Although, uh, hopefully he can sign an extension. We can see him for another year or two and actually see how good of a player he is. And he could maybe light up the MLS should it return. Then we go to the forwards. We have Luis Nani. Um, very, very, very good player. Not much else to be said dragged us through the season last season unfortunately he could not drag us to the playoffs um who else started chris mueller chris mueller he's unfortunately not good enough to be a starter right now although that can be coached into him as daniel said and then dom dwyer up top adam is interested to see how he does in this tournament but i think we can all agree that we're looking for a new striker oh absolutely uh, I think... mm. <laughs> yes. i'm still looking i just I just think it could be fun. It probably could be fun. Uh, Maybe some talking points surrounding Dom Dwyer in this tournament should it happen. So, speaking of this tournament, we do have a question from Twitter from Adrian Viveros. Thoughts on the possible mini tournament? We've we've touched on it. We said we're going to talk about it later. Let's spend 10 minutes on it. Chase, you seem to have the most knowledge on it. So do you want to kind of outline what the tournament is? Yeah, so what the tournament is, is it is going to be four different groups of teams. It's going to be split between the East and the West Coast. Um, with Nashville is going to move, I believe, to the West Coast for the time being, just so it's kind of more evened out. Um, Do you mean the East? Because they're already oh, yeah, the East, the, right? The, no, no, no. They're, they're in the... They're in the West. They're going to move to the East. They're gonna move what to did East. I say? Okay. You said the other way around. Oh, uh, my fault, my fault. But um, yeah, and then they're gonna have this. Uh, it's gonna be six. Some 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 of these kind of like uh, groups are gonna have six teams. Some are gonna have eight teams. The hosts of the or the the first seeds in the league are gonna be uh, Atlanta United as they won the U.S. Open Cup, LAFC as they won the Supporter Shield, and then Seattle as obviously they won the league. And I think that the other one in the Eastern Conference is actually gonna defer to us as we're going to be kind of like the pseudo host of this tournament, as it will be in Orlando. Um, and they're going to play five games. Uh, and 
those games are going to count towards the regular season total. And also they're going to send, is it, oh, I can't remember if they said if it was like the top two or the top. I think it's top two in each group. Yeah, probably, yeah, that probably would make, yeah, that would make the most sense, obviously. So there's eight teams that are going to come out, and they haven't really even come out and said what you're going to be playing for, whether it's just prize money, whether it's going to be some new tournament, or you know, some tournament that's just going to be for this year, and, and what the uh, the awards are going to be. But so far, the the proposal is that, and also the proposal is going to be that they're still going to try to play out the league at the end of the season and there's going to suspend interconference play i know that they said that and um maybe even hike up the amount of teams that make the playoffs from each conference to nine as opposed to seven oh god yeah so we have even more of no excuse now but even more of a chance to prove that we're bottom of the barrel in the league so who knows but uh, it would be that, us that... to not make that spot that's an Orlando yeah. City supporter talking there. Yeah, yeah. We would not make ninth. It's There's just, no way. It's just the opportunity it would just to show the terrible. stars. And and also uh, some other things that kind of came out about this is uh, they name dropped LAFC's best player Carlos Vela, LA Galaxy's marquee player Javier Chicharito Hernandez, and uh, Nani as well. And then the club came out with something about like four hours ago where Nani said that he didn't. Um, speak about this at all and he doesn't know where that came from and that you know just kind of like just smart PR things where it's like oh I want to get back to playing soccer but I don't want to put people at risk Uh, so you know who knows basically the point I'm making is that maybe like some of the sources could be wrong for this thing but Alejandro Bedoya has come out and talked to Taylor Twelman that he wants to get back to playing but he is feels like it's a little bit rushed and so far that seems to be a sentiment shared by a lot of players in the league and um, most importantly, I think probably the biggest thing in this article to me that is something that, um, you know, it was just kind of at the end of the article and we've already talked about is the potential, probably not going to happen, but there is a potential for something like a lockout if sort of a, a new payment structure and payment cut essentially is going to, is not going to be agreed upon. And that's something that I would hate to see happen. Uh, ultimately, this tournament is just going to be just them trying to get the MLS back in some way and then see the ramifications. I mean, it's entirely possible like it is with the Bundesliga that we could get like 10 players who have coronavirus now after all of this is over and that would probably see the league shut down. But yeah, I don't know. Do you guys have any kind of thoughts on what's going on? Um, so the, the tournament, I have an idea. Uh, the, so you have the group stage, everyone plays five games and then the knockout stages. I have a gut feeling that that's going to be for a CCL berth. Yeah. It's going to take the Open Cup CCL berth. Because, I mean, let's be real, a USL team's not getting it. An ASL team's not getting it. Uh, you know, it, it's always an MLS team. Uh, I mean, why yeah. would they give up a CCL spot at top, from the Federation's perspective? This would be a fantastic way to reward those teams that do well in the group stage, say, hey, you get to play in the Open Cup now, basically. And it'll give people, like teams, a reason to actually care about exactly. this thing. Well, I, it, I think the points will do that. But Oh, well, yeah, yeah. I guess you're completely, yeah, you're right. Did they already say, has the U.S. Open Cup? I, I don't yeah, even remember. Yeah, Open Cup is canceled. Yeah. yeah, it was canceled, right? Yeah, Open so. Cup, Campionis Cup, All-Star Games, all of it. Yeah, that was just a recent thing, right? Yeah, uh, yeah a couple that, days ago. Yeah, so if I had to bet, I would say Adam's probably completely right. Like, 
on top of maybe some potential well everyone's probably going to get money just from playing these games but you know they will that's probably going to be what's going to replace the CONCACAF Champions League berth also now 20 bucks that we get the group of eight oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. A- anyone want to oh, yeah. take that bet <laughs> Yeah. Um, they. No way they give out Lana yeah, eight. No way. Oh my gosh. They're, they're not. They're not sticking Lana with eight. We're, we're not. Eight. We're not a. We're not Garber's baby boy. Like, nope. They're hoping for an uh, LAFC versus Atlanta final. I, I think yeah. Don Garber just like satellite heard that and just like just his pants at you saying that. <laughs> <laughs> oh my lord. Gosh, we're back, exactly baby. Yeah, yeah. They also <laughs> so specifically say that the 18 thing is gonna be in the Eastern Conference. So, so I'm gonna assume yeah. that uh, the Orlando players have to quarantine as well. Like they can't be at home with their families during this thing. Oh yeah. Also, that's one of the big things that I didn't talk about. They're gonna be at uh one. They they've already specifically said which Disney Resort it's gonna be. I can't remember what which one it was. But Coronado Springs, right? Yeah, Coronado Springs. Yeah, you're right there. And uh, they're going to be quarantined without their parents. And something that they've raised concerns of, which is an absolutely valid concern. Like, obviously, I don't think that they're going to be able to use any of the amenities, which would probably defeat the purpose. But I guess if they're going to be playing with each other, like, I don't know what intermingling would do. But yeah, they're probably not going to be able to use anything. And they're probably just going to be confined to their hotel rooms. But um and maybe they can use like a conference hall or something for some team talks. But uh, like, they're also asking the question of like, are the staff going to have to be quarantined? Because it's like, if the people making my food, you know, mm-hmm. tending to my bed and, and, and stocking us up with things that we need, like towels, toilet paper, whatever, like, if they're not quarantined, like, what even is the point of me quarantining? Like, I might as well be with my family if they're going to be, you know, out with their families. And who knows if they're even adhering to guidelines put in place like they could be going out to large gatherings on the weekend they could be going to disney springs or whatever which is a place that you know we all know isn't necessarily um enforcing their kind of mask rules and things like that so the the spread of the virus could be you know running wild there especially in a county that's been as affected as orange county so a lot of the players are not really happy with this proposal that's Uh, yeah that was the first thing i thought of yeah when they, I mean, in, in April, I was thinking of writing an article about it for the blog, um, and I just never got around to it just because I was in that sort of funk that I got in when this all happened, and I got out of my routine just because I'm a routine-based person. But uh, that was the first thing that popped in my head. Okay, you're going to stick all these people in a hotel. Who's going to tend to these people? A hotel staff. Well, are the hotel staff also not allowed to see their families? Are they also going to have to stay in a hotel room? for weeks on end like what are what are they gonna do yeah you can't just kind of prison people right they would all quit yeah yeah right like if i was told hey you work at a hotel at this hotel and um you're gonna uh do your job but unfortunately we want you to stay with all these people and you're not allowed to go home and uh, we'll pay you extra or something. I'd be like, no. Yeah. And then they're they're talking about MLS players taking a pay cut. Imagine yeah. so. Imagine you're a Canadian kid, homegrown for Vancouver, and you make fifty thousand a year just being on Vancouver's roster. And uh, they're saying, okay, we're going to cut your wages. 
you're going to fly to Orlando and you're going to live in a hotel room and you're not going to be able to leave and you have to leave your parents because it's a it's an 18 year old kid, 19 year old kid, whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you're not going to be able to see your parents or your family at all. And um, yeah, we'll give you this paycheck to do nothing, but it's going to be less than what you were making. So you won't be able to pay your bills or anything. They propose a 20 percent. Uh, yeah, have fun with that. They yeah. should be getting hazard pay. I, yeah, I'd they should like, be getting paid more. Fuck honestly, no. Which economically doesn't work. Yeah. Fuck, but yeah, they. That's not a good. That, that's imprisonment at that point. Basically. That, yeah, that's actually what Bedoya said. Like, he was like, I know that this is kind of a weird term to use, but this is just like a very luxurious prison that you guys are wanting us to go into. And I kind of agree. It, it, and, and, it reminds me of like gladiatorial style entertainment almost. Yeah. Like, we're not valuing these people as human beings. We just want you to play soccer so we can enjoy ourselves. And it's just, it's not fair, you know? Like, I I want it to happen, like, if I'm speaking selfishly, which isn't obviously the whole picture, like, I would like to see soccer being played, especially, the like, I know the Bundesliga is going on, but the league that I am most passionate about in my club, I would like to see that played. But, like, you know, it almost obviously... Like, in this time, you have to kind of look at a lot of ethics, ethical things. It's almost morally wrong to kind of force these people to play when it's putting their health at risk and they're not going to be able to see their family in a time that is already so taxing to mental health and things like that. Like, it's just not fair. It can. Well, let's think about it. So, sorry to cut you off. No, let's think about it. The, we already talked about it. The, the league that's coming back is not the league that left. That's been a point mm-hmm. that a lot of people have been making. The league that's coming back, like we said, the Bundesliga had horrible defending. Schalke lost 4-0 in a game that they very easily could have been competitive in. They Mm -hmm. very easily could have been competitive in before coronavirus outbreak. Uh, They looked terrible, and Borussia Dortmund ran all over them, but Borussia Dortmund didn't look amazing themselves. Gio Reyna got an injury in the (laughs) warm-ups, which can happen, but of course it happens on the comeback to... um, on the return to play. I mean, when we come back, like we said, the defending is going to be awful. The players are not going to be running at full speed. Uh, are we going to be allowed to do the thing that FIFA said they can do where we can do the five substitutes? Yeah, probably. Yeah, um, I would reckon. I've been looking at an article here on The Athletic. came out two hours ago. Um, yeah. They said that the match day squad's going to be 23 players with five subs allowed. Yeah, okay. That, that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Still, it's just not the same. Uh, To me, as much as I'd love to get back into the groove of watching MLS, I would prefer to wait till September and October and just, you know, do the tournament then or something. Also, something that I saw is uh, some second division German side. So, So Bundesliga has been testing literally all of their players, like, weekly and the mls has not been doing that so it's entirely possible that like because you know you can be uh asymptomatic it's entirely possible that some players in the mls they might have the virus and they don't even know and then they're all put into this one hotel and then like an outbreak occurs and maybe that's not necessarily too likely but there's a second division team in germany where they've had four players test positive for coronavirus and like you know the death rate whatever like whatever you want to say but it's just like are you gonna knowingly possibly give 
get people sick with a disease that has infected over a million and killed 900,000 people in this country alone, or sorry, 90,000, don't mean to inflate numbers or things like that, 90,000 people in this country alone just for the sake of playing soccer. And it probably is clearly a cash grab because they've lost so much money uh, through TV tapings and Disney or ESPN and by extension Disney want to get this going, but I don't know. It's just, it sucks. It's not a great situation. I want soccer back, but it's, yeah. It's all so right, much guys. unknowns. Any final thoughts? Nope. I'm all good, man. I think we covered everything pretty well today. Good job, boys. I th- Yeah, mm-hmm. I think our, our purpose of this pod, at least the first part of it, was to talk about the roster and how we rate it, uh, particularly against uh, other MLS squads. Um, I don't know. Maybe we should go around and say, like, how we think – we would have done normal season or something. Normal season, um, seventh or eighth place for me. I, I tend to agree. I think coaching is the big thing here. You, you look mm-hmm. at our squad, solid defense, potentially um, very deep midfield. I'd say definitely above average midfield, below average attackers. Uh, I think th- there you're looking at a middle of the pack squad. Uh, lower end of the middle of the pack uh, in terms of just overall talent on the roster. It's up to Pareja to push him over that, that seventh place line. Which he can do. I will say we had a pretty easy, like, the way our schedule was set up, we didn't have a lot of away trips. We didn't have a lot of hard, um, long, like, we'd come home from Vancouver or something and then play against Atlanta United. Like, the home game would be against, not to be disrespectful, but... I don't know, some team that was struggling, like New England Revolution or something like that. Like a, a middle-of-the-pack team. Uh, just stuff like that. Uh, I was hopeful of our chances to get playoffs, but I didn't think it was going to be, we're going to get fourth place and we're going to beat easily in the playoffs. It was going to be a struggle. Yeah, I tend to agree. Daniel? Yeah, I was I was on that boat. I thought they could do it. Um I felt like the hindsight of last season would have helped some of these players, and the coach we have would have been, you know, would be um, a little more uh, flexible in his approach. I think we would have gotten a few more points and crept into into seventh, and you know, got you know, made the playoffs in the last day, sort of thing. Um, as to what would happen with the, uh, the tournament and such, I mean, anybody could probably put on a little run, you would think, but. Um, Going back on the discussion about the you know, about the tournament, I mean, I'd rather just wait till the fall and and resume the season, have play, have teams in their own markets if possible. Even behind closed doors, it would still be a, a better and more f- balanced competition. I feel at that point than what they're proposing right now, and it's not very fair on the players. Uh, they're kind of just being treated as a commodity, in my opinion, and not as a you know a viable entity that gets to have a say in anything all right guys well that was just that will just about wrap it up um thanks so much for the long conversation i appreciate you guys doing it with me cheers gavin yeah man good to talk good to be back daniel where can our listeners find you at on twitter bucketman1982 or instagram ellenroad82 chase where can our listeners find you at Twitter at Vamos OCSC and at Instagram at Chase W. Crowley. And Adam, where can our listeners find you at? You can find me on Twitter at Kosher Taco Truck.
Thank you for the conversation, guys. You guys have a great night. Bye. Bye. Yeah, <laughs> See y'all later. <laughs>